So today we want to continue on in this series. This is week seven in the series on the authority of the believer. Now this is an interesting subject. We've been talking the last two weeks about the importance of staying on your path. The Bible says that God, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a path for you. It's already been laid out by him. Your path was created for you. It is created. Everything that you'll ever need in your life is on your path. We get in trouble as believers when we get off the path. So as we talk about authority, there's so many people in the body of Christ that are trying to use the word of God against their circumstances. But you cannot use the word of God if you're not submitted to the word of God. You, you we're going to learn you cannot walk in the authority that Jesus has given the church if you are not submitted to authority. We're going to see some principles here. And we need to know this, especially in this season that we are living in. You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy that these are perilous times. That word perilous means dangerous and difficult and strength-reducing times. Satan is working behind the scenes to reduce people's strength, right? And if you, wanna, if you want an example of that, just go home this afternoon and watch three or four hours of news and see how you feel, right? No, we, gotta, we, we have to get our news from here because this is truth. We used to be able to say what you see on the news is facts, but it's not. Everything is lies. So how do you know what's true? Well, we know what's true. It's right here, right? So here's the thing. We have to get some of these things right. On Wednesday night, I'm doing a series on our identity. I want to encourage you. This series is of utmost importance because you'll never be able to stand in your authority if you don't know who you are. And the number one way Satan is going to come against you, he's going to come against your identity. And our identity is to be completely in, in who Jesus Christ is. We're not to get our identity from anything else. So I would encourage you, if your schedule does not allow you to come on Wednesday, get online and, and outline and study those messages because it's so important. In order to walk in the authority of a believer, and I'll say this, it will be impossible for you to walk out God's plan and purpose for your life without walking in your authority as a believer. Here's another thing about authority. Authority is God's plan of protection for his church. That's, now, this is a huge statement. Authority is God's plan of protection for you as his child. You know, we don't, we don't pray to God to take care of Satan. You know, there's not one scripture that tells us that when the enemy's coming against us that we pray to God to take care of it. There's not one. We are to stand in the authority that we've been given. And the Bible says this, though, and we quote it this way. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. This is what the carnal Christian always says. Resist the devil. I should say this, the carnal word of faith Christian. 
Because we, we've learned enough about the word to where we think we know something about it. The problem is we're not submitted to it. Right? And we know that because when we look in the mirror, we see the most important thing in our lives. But a mature believer doesn't see himself as the most important thing in his life. He lives for him and he lives for others. Right? To be honest with you, your life, you say what Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. But this is the thing. As we stand in our authority, we are to see the carnal Christian will say, resist the devil and he'll flee. But you know what? You could resist the devil all day and he will not flee because that is out of order. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God. And all of our flesh said, ouch. Right? I mean, that hurts. Submission is not agreement. If I, if I go to Pastor Mark and go, hey, let's go to Benihana for dinner tonight and then go see a movie. Or, or let's go to New York and go get chicken and rice. Yeah, here we go, right? <laughs> and this guy, I think we walk 50 miles and go into a Hillsong worship event or whatever. Let's go get chicken and rice and then hop on a subway and go to a Yankee game. That's not, that's not submission. That's agreement. Right? Submission is, submission is, you know, let's go dig a ditch, right? Let's go dig a ditch after church today. Well, you know, pastor, I, I've got some things, right? That's, see, submission hurts. But as you learn, and I'll, and I'll let you know a little secret. Do you know God submits? God submits to his word, just like what you said, Pastor Elisa. Yeah. Do you know Jesus only does what the Father tells him to do? Do you know that wasn't for the three and a half years on the earth? Do you know in eternity, do you know what Jesus does? Whatever the Father wants him to do. Because the Father comes up with the plan, and then Jesus carries out the plan. And you know the Holy Spirit never talks and says what he wants. He only says and talks and testifies what Jesus says. Total, they, they submit to each other. That's how they flow. There's power in submission. So when you live a life that's submitted to God, when you resist the devil, guess what? All of heaven is backing you, and he flees as in terror. So we're going to learn some things about this. And, uh, you know... If you don't, as an example, after this series, if the Lord tarries, you know, because this is probably going to take a while for me to get through some stuff, but we're going to get, jump into righteousness. Again, it's like a sandwich. We've got identity on Wednesday night, who you are in Christ. We're talking about our authority, how we walk this out, but then we sandwich it with righteousness because you are, you have been made the very righteousness of almighty God in Christ. If you don't know you're righteous, You'll never walk free from sinful behavior, ever. You'll never be able to stand in your authority. You'll always shrink back because you don't know who God's made you. And Satan works overtime. Because remember we said this about the path. Satan can't knock you off your path. He lures you off your path. Right? And remember, our path is one of light. 
when you start getting off the path, it, it's, your, it's like you're walking right into darkness. Things will get confusing. So many believers, because they're not submitted to God, and guys, for us as Americans, we have a hard time with this because we're Americans. You know, we go step off a plane in another country, and who cares? That country's ours because we're Americans, right? I'm proud to be an American. Why would a Christian sing that song? I used to love to say, man, you know, I'm like with David, I'm proud of you as my son. And I'm like, I don't like the word proud because pride, the pride of your heart deceives you. Pride brings destruction. I asked the Lord, okay, well, what do I say? Because I'm proud of my son. I'm proud of my daughter. No, 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 no. Just say what I said, Tony. I'm like, well, what'd you say? I'm pleased, right? I'm pleased to be an American. I don't want to be proud to be one. I don't want any pride ever in my life, right? Now, do I love America? Absolutely. So we stand in these things. These little things make up a big foundation. You have to know who you are. You have to be submitted to the word of God. Submitted. See, as Americans, we don't understand that. Because I'm an American Christian. I won't be too late to work on Monday, but I'll be late to church because I, you know, I'm just busy. And I'll go to church if I want to, or I won't go if I don't want to, because I really am not submitted to Hebrews 10.25, which says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. I know this might sound, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's saying that. Man, all these church growth movements, they say, you will blow up your church saying that. But guys, I don't care. I want you, when the enemy comes in, to know that you stand right in his face and say no. Because he's defeated. He operates as an outlaw. You have complete authority over him. But if you are come to church and are tickled every week and not taught the word of God, what happens is when you get diagnosed with something or when something happens in your life or when your children are going in a way that you don't want, man, you won't know what to do. But when you're submitted to the Lord and you're submitted to his word, I walk in love. I have no other option. There is no option in my life. If I ever step out of the love walk, my, my spirit is going, what are you doing? What happens in your life as a Christian, and this is what happens with authority. It's like a funnel. It comes right down to where I live, this is my truth. I, I live this way. I am submitted. See, I'm completely submitted to the authority of my great pastor, the great shepherd, right? I'm submitted to Jesus, my Lord. When he says go, I don't say why. I say yes, sir. When he says I'm healed, I don't say well, how? I say no, yes, sir. Right? When he says do this or do that, when I stand in this pulpit, I don't have the option of what to say. Sometimes when I say things, I'm like, man, make sure this is not anything in my flesh. Because I'm telling you, when the Lord ministers, even when you're like listening to it, you know, he's told me before as a pastor, Tony, you're, you're really, you're behind the curve on this deal. 
I've been talking to you about this and you're not doing it. I still remember when we were in a school and the Lord told me, you got to make this school look better. And you know, six months later, I started, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, I really need you to speak to me about what you want Sunday. And the Lord said, I told you to make the school look better. And the minute he said that, I saw a picture in my mind. And it was, it was not like, hey, Tony, how's it going? It was like, Tony, right? I told you to do this. Do this right now. Guess what we were doing the next day? We're looking for deals on chairs. We're looking for backdrops. We're looking for, I mean, within what, two weeks, maybe, maybe even a week, we had it all done at Kiwit, right? Why is that? Because he's the head of the church. I don't have an option. Satan will come to you and give you options. Satan will come to you and go, well, listen, Tony, Jeanette, listen, you have two children growing up, you know, families first. I used to preach that till the Lord showed me. He said, where's that in the Bible? I'm like, whoa. And as soon as he said that, Matthew 6.33 comes up and goes, oh my gosh, seek first the kingdom. Right? But guess what? In doing that, do you know we were much better parents? Much, wouldn't you say that? I mean, much better parents. She's a much better parent than I am. I kind of ride on her coattails I know how to believe God and ask forgiveness, right? No, it's so true, guys. Why am I saying this? I actually wasn't planning on saying this this strong, but you guys could handle this. To walk in the authority of the believer, it's not just learning three or four principles. Yeah, Jesus gave us authority. No, no, there's so much more. You have to know who you are, and you have to be submitted to the Lord, and you have to be on your path. So, so very important. I'd like to tell you it's another way, but this is why things are so weak in the church right now. Because we're not submitted. We have people quoting scriptures, wondering why their body's not changing. We have people wondering why they're not seeing God's plan for their life. Because you're just like the way I was. I'm like, God, I will do anything for you. I'm willing to serve you inside this little box. I will pastor and give my life to you as long as it's four miles from the beach. Not in L.A. because I don't like L.A. Not in San Diego. I'm really not a San Diego person. But in South Orange County, I will serve you forever. Every time we go to Rama, every time we would go back and, and visit home, I never would really enjoy myself other than enjoying my family because I was trying to figure out how to get back to California, which is really hard to figure out when God has no plans for you to go back to California. It's like you're trying to make a way where there is no way, right? But if there's no way in the natural, yet that's the way God tells you to go, he will make the way. So this is why we're talking about it. Because I got to tell you guys, here's the good news. You could have messed this deal up for 40 years, 50 years. But we're in a day of multiplication right now. And if you'll make a decision, and it's a decision, you don't have to know how. You just got to make the decision. Jesus, you are my Lord. My life is yours. Right? Right? 
I'm going to say that I am who you say I am. I'm not going to go by what I feel. I've got to guard my thought life. If you'll make that decision, it's glorious. I mean, we could pull people up here in this church. The difference that it's made. You know, Jake, I mean, when he was up here talking, I remember I was preaching and I looked over here, right, right about where you guys are sitting, and Jake was sitting there as a young man. And it hit my heart. The word has captured him. And I watched him grow. There was a just in repairs there because the enemy was trying to deviate that, but he couldn't do it. Because the word, see, he didn't, he no longer was getting in the word, the word was getting in him now. Changed his life forever. Changed his life forever. So as we said before, we have been created, we have been ordained and appointed to have dominion in this earth. It's the way God created it. I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to those other messages, we went back to Genesis. We laid all this out. Dominion is the right and power. Not just the right, but the power. It's kind of like the policeman, right? The badge gives him the right, but the Glock 9mm gives him the power. And the radio gives him the power, because if you mess with him, he could have 50 other guys there in a short period of time right? The right and the power to rule, to govern, and control. The word dominion literally means sovereign authority. God gave man sovereign authority on this earth. In the same way, God has sovereign authority in heaven. Now, is man God? No. Does he have sovereign authority in this earth? Yes. And as we see in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve gave that authority to Satan. However, Jesus got it all back in redemption. So this is huge. This is very, very big. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. I want to show you a couple things that will kind of outline authority. And then we're going to jump in how to stay on the path. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. You guys doing okay? You love your pastor. Remember that. Praise God. Your pastor loves you. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Hallelujah. All that the enemy is doing in the world, I'm telling you, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We are the ones with authority on this planet. The enemy might be laughing or the people the people might be laughing. They think, oh man, things are changing. What the, the Pope just came out with his, his, he just reinstated this paper that he wrote in 2015 for a one world religion. He says, he says there's a seven year plan. I wonder how that fits. He said a seven year plan. And the objectives of this whole plan is that we have a one world religion where all the religions of the world just tolerate each other so that we can all live in peace. This is the day you're living in. Haven't you read about this in the book of Revelation? The other objective of that plan is that every person on the planet, all the religions, every person 
acknowledges and supports and is, he uses the word, and is adherent to the government of the world, the one world government. Wow. And to that we got to go, man, we are about to go from faith to sight. We are about to see Jesus. Because this is talking about a period of time that we're out of here before it happens. That was last week. But I got to tell you, while we're here, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Now, this is really interesting because here's Jesus on the earth. Isn't it amazing? Adam and Eve gave the authority over to Satan. So now, but here Jesus shows up. And he's all man, but he's all God. He's not under the curse, and he has authority. Look at what he does. He's sending out his 12 disciples. It says in verse 1, And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. He could not have given them power because he could not have had power. Here's the biblical principle, unless he was submitted But if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he said, my will, my meat, my strength is to do the will of him who sent me. I only say what he says. I only do what he does. Completely submitted. And now he says this. He gave them power. Now this is translated from the King James translated translators power. But it's the Greek word excusia. It means delegated authority. He gave them delegated authority against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's amazing. These guys were not even born again. That's how powerful. The reason why I'm saying that is how much more? How much more? Because Jesus didn't have all power yet. He didn't say that till Matthew 28 after he came out of the grave. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Literally in the Greek, it would read like this. Say the kingdom of heaven has come near you. Do you know the kingdom is in you? And the kingdom in you is to dominate the world system. The kingdom is here now. It says here, look at this, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. That was the, leprosy was the incurable disease of the day. And he's pretty much starting out with that. This delegated authority that they were given had had authority over this stuff. Here's another kind of an interesting one. Raise the dead. I think of a story by Smith Wigglesworth. He's ministering. Could you imagine me doing this? You better know your authority. Healing line up here. People are getting healed right and left. He walks up to this guy and just, bam, punches him right in the stomach. The guy's like, oh, falls on the ground. He, he, he hits him as hard as he can. Smith was about 6'6". He was a big guy. Guy's on the ground, rolling around, kind of stops. Be healed in Jesus' name. Bam. And then he goes on. And he, could you imagine being the next person? <laughs> you, better, you better be wanting healing. Because I'd be like, dude, what are you going to do, right? So he's laying hands on people. people. 
one of the usher guys come up to him and said, Smith, Smith, uh, he's, his heart stopped. He's healed in Jesus' name. Leave me alone. And he keeps laying hands on people. Could you imagine the, that's church, that's weird, right? I mean, you're like, is he moving yet? I mean, they're down there, they're feeling. Smith, they come up to him three, four times. Smith, he's, he's not breathing. His heart's not beating. Smith would literally every time go, he, I told you, he's healed. And then he would go back and keep laying hands on people. Could you imagine the people? <laughs> right? I think it was like the fourth or fifth time that Smith yelled, I said he's healed. All of a sudden the guy goes, <gasps> and he was completely healed. Wow, Smith Wigglesworth is sure something, isn't he? No. No, he had authority. He knew he had authority. And he obeyed the leading of the Lord. Now, does that mean you go out and start punching people in the stomach? You better not. Right? That's how come you have to be led. It says here, raise the dead. See, we read this in the modern church, and it's like, yeah, but that was back then. These guys were not saved. They didn't have a Bible to carry around like this. Paul hadn't written any of the epistles yet. They just believed. Cast out devils. And then he said this, here's the key. Freely you've received, so freely give. Wow. So now, the power of God, wow, isn't this interesting? The power of God is here to heal you and set you free. They were, in other words, to do what Jesus did. Authority. We're talking about authority. Now, go to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. So this is the 12. Now, later on, he sent out 70 more. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. This word appoint means to appoint to some office with some outward sign. You have been called, ordained, and appointed to have dominion. You, right now, as a believer. But you won't understand it. You'll never walk in it if you don't know who you are. If you're, and if you're not submitted, if there's no submission, if you're not submitted to authority, then you won't walk in authority. Yeah, that's not preached, but that is foundational. That is foundational. He appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face to every city and place whither he himself would come. So in other words, wherever he was going to go, he'd send these guys before him to go there first. Jump down to verse 17. Now this is them coming back. Notice Jesus said nothing about casting out devils. But, but the 70 returned again. But see, the 70 had heard about the 12. Could you imagine they're in a meeting and they're like, well, hey, you know, when Jesus sent these guys out, he would cast out devils too. So let's, and I'll, could you imagine as they went, they learned, wow, we have authority to do this. All of a sudden, they're, they're laying hands on people. They're, they're getting healed. And then all of a sudden, something, on, something is telling them, hey, cast the devil out of that person. And they do it, and the devil comes out. And they're like, wow. 
Now it says this, and the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the double devils are the devil. The devils are subject unto us through thy name. In other words, the 70 found out the extent of their authority as they walked. So as the spirit of God led them. Verse 18, and he said to them, so now they're like, wow, this is amazing, Jesus. This authority you've given us, even the devils were subject to us. And then look at Jesus, he's bringing them back down to the earth, but he's going to teach them something about authority right here. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now this is a reference where Jesus is now recanting him in eternity when Satan was cast out of heaven. And then he said this, verse 19, I want you to see this. Behold, in other words, see this. I give unto you power. This is the Greek word again, excusia. He's like, guys, I'm giving to you delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions are a, are a type of the satanic hierarchy. He says, I'm giving you delegated authority to tread on them. This word tread in the Greek means to have complete mastery over them. Jesus said, listen, I am giving you delegated authority to have complete mastery over Satan and his whole uh, demonic hierarchy. Wow, that's kind of big, right? It says here, and over all the power. Now, this word power is a different Greek word that means ability. And over all, so if you're over all the ability of the enemy, how much ability does he have to come against you with? None. Now, this is, now this, this is pre-resurrection. So what we have is even stronger than this. But if this includes no power, does Satan have any power in your life? No. No. Over all the power of the enemy, and look at this, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, pastor, why, so why do we have all this stuff going on in the church today? Because we got we to learn this. We got to find out who we are. We've got to learn our authority. We have to submit ourselves to God. Do you know how many believers, they're, they're never able to connect the dots because they don't, they don't submit to an area of the word that they know they're supposed to. They just, because I just want to do my own thing. And you know what? Have you noticed? God will let you do your own thing. But there's no power there. There's no, there's no authority there. Verse 20 but then he says this, after this powerful verse, he says, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other words, here's the most important thing about authority. Your authority and my authority that's been delegated by God to us as his children is based upon relationship. It's all based on relationship. I love that. The value of our authority rests 
on the power of God that backs our authority. When we understand this, this will cause us to face the enemy fearlessly. Right? We'll stand in our authority and we'll face him fearlessly. So now we fast forward. Now Jesus comes out of the grave and at Matthew 28, 18, he says this. Jesus came and spoke to his disciples and said, all power, now it's all power. It's not I give unto you power, but now all power. That means all delegated authority. All of it. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't go, okay, it is almost finished. Nope, he said, it is finished. And when he came out of the grave, he literally said, all delegate, all excusia, all delegated authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he commissioned them to go. So now this is authority. This is the authority that you possess as a believer. It will do you no good unless you know it. It'll do you no good unless you you get it from just the head knowledge of what you just learned. It's got to go off in your heart. And it only comes by putting the word first and meditating on it so that the light of the word will go off in your heart. So now turn to Proverbs chapter 4. We started talking a couple weeks ago about the path. Because man, when you're on the path, here's the difference. So... Let's say you have a, a new car out in the parking lot. Or let's say it's been a couple years old, whatever. And, and, you know, it's financed through Toyota Motor Credit or whoever, right? Ford Motor Credit, whoever. And, and uh, let's just say that after church you walk out and there is a tow truck. And there's this big kind of mean looking guy like, don't mess with. He has a shirt that says, don't mess with me. Right? And he's got your car up on things and he's driving it away. And you run out there and stop him and go, wait, well, time out. That's my car. But you know you haven't made that payment for the last three or four months. Are you going to be super bold? No, you're going to run out there and go, hey, sir, could you please give me a break? Right? But what if you go out there and your brand new car that you just paid cash for two months ago is being trying to be towed away by a company. You're going to run out there and go, hey, you don't care how big and bad he looks. You don't care if he has a don't mess with me t-shirt. You're going to be jumping going, time out. I have the title. You don't get that off there right now. And if you scratch it, you're paying for it. But if you don't get that off there right now, I'm calling the police. We're going to, you know... And, and you know what? If you called the police, they would come out and make him take that off there, right? Why? Because you have the authority because that is yours. That's, that's what we're talking about. Believers have been given all this delegated authority, but they're, they got all this sinful behavior in their life and they're not doing this and they're never in the word and, and they just kind of are living for themselves, but, they, but, but they're charismatic, so, you know, the Holy Spirit said, and the Lord's leading me. I love that one. You know, the Lord's just kind of leading me. 
to just, you know, the Lord's leading me to, to not come to church now. And there's people that are sitting home right now at home. Yeah, the Lord just doesn't lead me to go to church. Okay. And, you know, and, and the Lord just doesn't lead me to walk in love. You know, that person really hurt me. And, oh, my gosh, pastor, don't ever tell me about finances. Right? Oh, my gosh. Don't, what, what are you saying? You're saying if I don't tithe and honor you in my finances that I won't be able to walk in my authority? Yeah. That's exactly what the word of God is saying. Right? Well, then, oh, so then do I have to? No. No. See, the thing is, God's given us a will. He'll never violate that will. And is God mad at you if you're living for yourself and not doing this stuff? No. God loves you. He's not pleased because he can't bless you. He can't walk in, he can't help you in your life. And he sees, how many of you, and don't raise your hands, but maybe have children that are not where they should be spiritually? That's hard, isn't it? Because you're like going, dude, I just, I want to help you. I wish I could help you. But they've got to make those decisions. Right? But as a loving parent, you're like, I really want to help you. But have you ever been in a situation where you can't? Yeah. See, people don't like to hear this kind of stuff. But this is life-changing stuff. It's life-changing. Because if you'll submit yourself to the Lord, all of heaven will start orchestrating everything in your life and it will turn everything right side up so that you literally are walking, literally satisfied, no lack, family getting restored, things happening, he's going before you. There's areas that are being fixed that you're not even, you're not even conscious of. Because what you've done is you've opened up everything. And now you're in a position where you literally go, no, Satan, you can't have my kids. Satan, you, right? Well, I'll tell you, you know, some of the, I love Bill Winston. I listen to him from time to time. And man, uh, you know, there was a lady in his church that um, was having trouble with drug dealers in her neighborhood. And Bill had her walk down the street with oil and anoint and just anoint the whole thing and just say, no, you will never come back here again. And they never saw another, they never had another instance after that. Why, why is that? Because what you couldn't see is because she understood her authority and she walked in it, now there's angels standing there. Angels have been released and they're standing there. Jesus said this, when he was on the cross, he said, listen, I could have 12 legions of angels right now if I want to, if I want to be out of here. That's 72,000 angels. Now, to kind of put that in perspective, one angel with a sword in the Old Testament killed 186,000 men in one night. And we're talking 72,000. Do you know the first thing, whenever anybody sees an angel, what's the first thing they say? You know all these little cards with the little naked angel with the little bow that's like a little fat baby? That's not what they look like. The first thing that people see when they see an angel is they say, the angel looks at him and goes, oh, fear not. You know, 
We've never seen anybody 14 foot tall that's just ripped. You'd be like, right? But Jesus said, because of the delegated authority, there's angels. Well, yeah, but that's Jesus. Yeah, but Hebrews tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us as heirs of salvation. Jesus, in his, in his ministry, even commanded the demon to come out and never come back. You know what happened to that person? An angel was assigned. You're not coming back here. Right? See, so we're suffering loss because we don't know who we are. And you preach this and it's so far gone. It's like, oh, time out, man. I just came to church today. I just wanted to hear a nice little flowery sermon. Yeah, but guess what? Out those doors, there is someone that wants to kill you. And he's working in every, behind the scenes, in our schools, in our government, in people's lives, in gangs. He's working everywhere to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're the only ones that have authority over him. Man, I don't want to stand before God and him go to me and go, hey, why did you not do what I called you to do in Omaha, Nebraska? Right? Not on our watch. Not that we fix everything. We fix our part. Right? We do what we're called to do. And guess what? We're the body of Christ. We're all one. So I'm telling you, God's will, we already know, is that his glory covers this earth as the waters cover the seas. So how did I get off on all that? Let's, let's go. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. But the path of the just, that word just means righteous, is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. We, we said as we broke this down, this word perfect means he, it, it means to make firm and establish. It means as, as you walk your path, it gets brighter and brighter for you. Revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge, everything becomes clear and it establishes you. That ma- it makes you fixed and immovable so you're unmovable by the enemy. When we get off our path, it's darkness. The enemy is constantly throwing thoughts trying to lure you off your path because he can't force you off. Proverbs chapter 3 is a perfect scripture. In the context of what we've been saying now, look at Proverbs chapter 3. You want God to direct your paths, we have to have the order right. The first thing it says here in verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You don't trust in anyone you don't know. And herein is the problem. Most believers today have a very casual relationship with God. And what I mean by that is God kind of fills in the the cracks of the extra time that they have. And it doesn't work that way. And God would say to you today, I want to know you. Or let me get that right. I want you to know me. He already knows you. Right? I want you to know me so that you can walk in my life. Because the more you know me, the more you walk in my life. And when you get to know God, you'll trust him. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do you know it would be unfair for God to say that to us? And we know he's fair. So this word right here, what that tells me, it's an enablement. His words are an enablement. So how do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? This is how you do it. Starting right away, if you want to embrace this, you start walking around going, Father, I thank you that I trust in you with all my heart. Your mind will go, are you kidding me? And you just keep saying it. I trust in you with all my heart. And Father, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I don't ever rely on my mind's conclusions. Your mind will go, oh, yes, you do. You'll be like, shut up. Right? But I'm telling you, if you'll keep that word in your mouth and keep saying that, what will start happening to you is there will start building, the word of God will start building in you a trust. It'll start building in you the ability to not rely on your own mind's conclusions. What that means is, is you'll start getting your eyes off natural things and on the word, which is life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your mind's conclusions. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Father, I acknowledge you in all my ways. That's how you walk this out. Because remember, the word is the lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So if you're not speaking this, you will never be able to do it. Sometimes Christians will sit in church and they'll think, well, I can quote that scripture because pastor says it all the time, but they don't know it. They don't see it. It's not what you know here. It's what you see here because when light comes off, now you can step and progress in all your ways, acknowledge him. And now that's God's order. Now you're positioned where now he will direct your paths. In other words, you will sense the leading of the Holy Spirit in every arena of your life. That's how you get sensitive. Does that make sense? This is, this is huge. See, there's a misconception that people have. This is, the, and this is, I'm talking about us. If I just get in the word enough, if I just listen to enough teachings, if I just go to enough meetings around the country, if I just read enough books, it's going to solve all of my problems. And this is absolutely wrong. It's the doer of the word that gets results. The doer. Being a doer of the word is what puts you on your path. Being a doer of the word is what will keep you on your path. Well, I'm telling you the importance of what I'm saying right now. It, it, this, is so, this is so big. So let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22. Doer of the word. Being a doer will keep you on your path. Being a doer will get you on your path if you're not there. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. This word hearer is, is simply, this Greek word means one who listens without practicing what he hears. 
It would be like when I learned to play basketball, if I just read every book and went to every basketball camp. I went to the Larry Bird basketball camp, but I didn't play. I just sat there and took notes. Guess what? Right? Or I went, you know, like my friend, he was a black belt in Chuck Norris's dojo back in the 70s. And when you become a black belt, you've got to actually spar. And to pass that, you have to spar with Chuck Norris. And as you know, you know, you could, the universe could come to an end fighting Chuck Norris, right? <laughs> but could you imagine you go there year after year and you never do anything, you just take notes. And then you're going to go get in the ring with Chuck Norris. And you will realize you don't know anything about, right? It's the same way here. The only difference, this is not just about a physical battle. This is about life. It's the doer. But be doers of the word, not just hearers only. The hearer only, the one who listens with and who's not going to practice what he's hearing. The Bible says they deceive their own selves. You give Satan a little vacation in your life. He's like, oh, done. They're not, they're just, they're just one of those Christians, man. They love to hear the latest, greatest sermon online. They love to go here and just hear this, but they never practice it. I don't have to deceive them. They're going to self-deceive themselves. They'll think they, they'll think they really are walking in all this stuff. And then man, four years later, I'm going to hit them with something. It's going to completely wipe out their family. It's going to completely do. That's the way he thinks. But see, we don't, we are not, we're not hearers only. It says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. He beholds himself, and then what does he do? And then he goes whose way? He goes his way. He's not on the path now, because he's going his way. This, this gets a little hard preaching like this. Just, I'll give you a little picture into my world. Most of you are loving this. There's a few people that are really ticked. But the reality of it is they think they're mad at me, but they're not mad at me. And I don't know if you're here, or online, wherever, but they're not mad at me. They're, it's inner turmoil because they're not willing to submit to God. To that I would say, God loves you. I'm a perfect example of a person that just refused things and refused things. He still got me in the right place. Thank God. I'm glad he never gave up on me. Hallelujah. If I offended you, I apologize, but I'll guarantee you, I'm not the one offending you. As a matter of fact, do you know you can't offend somebody? They offend themselves because they refuse to submit to the word, so they get entrapped, they get tripped up, and then they distrust who they should trust. I've been offended before. I thought, man, I thought this person really offended me. Then I realized, oh, time out. When I got in the word, I'm like, oh, wait, no. If you love the word, the Bible says you can't be offended. <laughs> so, anyway, Selah, moving on. So, um, Verse 23, if any man be a hearer and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. He beholds himself, then he goes his own way, 
And right away, at once, he forgets what manner of man that he was. He forgets what manner of man he was when he was looking in the mirror. But it says here, but verse 25, but whoever looks, this word looks means whoever looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty or the perfect law of freedom or the word of God and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his doing. Isn't that good news? Wow. So it's 1015. Go to James chapter 1, verse 12. Here is a big one. So you got to be a doer. So let's talk a little bit about what we face every day. Because the Bible talks about it. Go to James chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to talk about how Satan lures you off the path. It says, blessed is the man that endures temptation. Temptation. This is the Greek word parasmus. It literally means the putting to the test. Temptations, think of it this way. This is what the Lord told me one time. You might want to write this down. I think it's pretty cool. Temptations are temporary interruptions to your victory. That's all they are. You're already victorious. He's just trying to interrupt them, but he can't. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, this Greek word means proved. This Greek word means you're tried as like metals are tried by fire and then purified. That's what this is saying. These temptations, they will literally try you. It's almost like you're throwing your flesh in this vat to burn off all the impurities. Your flesh hates this. Now, when you're tempted, though, your flesh loves it. Right? Oh, I really, I really want to do this. Right? I want to look at this. I want to go there. I want to say this. So at first, it's like your flesh is loving it. But you're being tried. So this is temptation. What does that mean? It's trying to lure you. I remember years ago as a young man, I grew up with nothing. My stepdad was an alcoholic, so I trusted nobody. And I, I just, I was in survival mode trying to just survive. Being on my own at 17 years old, I come into the church right, right there. You know, I was, I was born again. I was always in church. But then when I went on my own in California, I was living on my own. I wasn't in church. But then I go to this church. Man, it's just my life has changed. I'm in the word. And God starts talking to me like he will every believer about finances. And every time, I'm just like, man, I need to tithe. But I'm like, I I don't, if I tithe, I won't be able to pay my rent. I was renting a room. It's not like I had family to fall back on, right? And and I'm just, I, I just can't. And I'll never forget when my pastor told me what I've told you guys so much stuff. He said, Tony, take all the pressure off yourself and just start meditating in scripture on what the Bible says about how much God loves you and will provide for you. 
And when that light went off, I still remember when all of a sudden I went, wow. And I started tithing. And I'm a numbers guy. And it makes no sense, but I never, ever, I never was evicted. I never was in lack with that. I mean, it was kind of amazing. But it was amazing, the battle, then, even when we went to Bible school, and you get in financial trouble and all this stuff. What is that? You're being tested and tried. Satan's trying to lure you off your path. On your path, the blessings overtake you. Off your path, it's confusing and you can't lay hold of anything. I'm so glad I kept running back to God. Don't be afraid to make some mistakes in these areas. Don't be one of those that tithe because they, they think God is this mafia crime boss. You know, give me the first dime out of every dollar and I'll bless your life, right? No, it's not like that. Don't be afraid to forgive. Don't be afraid to let that person who's hurt you so bad, let him off the hook completely. Right? It says, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. In other words, we must endure temptation. Hallelujah. In Hebrews, keep your finger here, but in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted. He was tried, proved, scrutinized, and examined, just like we are, yet without sin. See, in the wilderness, Jesus was tempted in every way that every man could be tempted, yet without sin. What was Satan trying to do in the wilderness to Jesus? He was trying to lure him off the path. Listen, you're here for the world. Just fall down and worship me and I'll give you the world. Just cut corners. He was tempted because Satan was trying to lure him off his path. The Garden of Gethsemane event in the life of Jesus, again, was Satan trying to lure him off his path. When Jesus got a full revelation of he was about to literally become sin and take the weight and judgment of all sin, sickness, disease, all the curse of the law, to be separated from his father for the first time in eternity... I mean, the temptation was so hard. It said angels came and ministered to him to keep him from dying. It said all the blood vessels bursted underneath his skin and he sweat blood. Most people that that has ever happened to died. But when he got up and he said, Father, if there's any way. See, he had already made his decision. I only do what my father says or what my father is doing. I only say what he says. Father, if there's any way to remove this cup from me, in other words, can, is there any way that we could redeem man without me going through this? But he said, but nevertheless, before you even answer that, nevertheless, Father, it's not my will, your will. See, he was tried. And the Bible says when he came out of that temptation, it says he was so full of the Spirit that when three to 600 fully armed Roman guards came up to him and said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. And they all got knocked down by the power of God. He went, he, he literally see, he endured, he made his decision in the garden. 
And that took him through everything else. This is, this is very similar to us, guys. This is huge. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. What we're doing was you're shining a little bit of a light on this. It says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation, same word, taken. This, this word means to get hold of you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation, right? Will with the temptation make a way of escape. He'll make a way out that you may be able to endure it. That's what you need to know about temptation. You won't be, every temptation... Every temptation Liz has to deal with, I, I'm going to deal with it. You're going to deal with it. We all, it's, all, it's all common. Have you ever noticed when you're tempted, Satan will always tell you, man, this is just you. Nobody can relate to you, it, but that's just not true. But, say, but Satan cannot tempt you beyond. God won't let him. He always makes a way out for you. Look at what verse 13 says in James chapter 1 now. Having said that, now, this is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. They were under great persecution. James is the half-brother of Jesus. And he's saying, guys, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Now, in the Greek, this, in English, this is a little vague. But what was happening in James's church, the people were under persecution and they were talking wrong things. Well, maybe God's allowing this. You know, we, we hear a lot of this today in the church. And, and in the Greek, this is huge. Where it says, let no man say, it's very strong. He's saying, guys, stop saying this. Don't ever say this again. When you're tempted... Don't ever say you're tempted of God because God doesn't tempt any man with evil in the same way he's not tempted with evil. But now, now James is going to explain temptation. Now this is important because this, this is how Satan lures you off. But every man, notice it doesn't say most of us. So this is for all of us. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts. This word lust means strong desire, a passion. It literally means something that you're craving that is forbidden. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own cravings, his own impulses. He's tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust. Did you get that? If you're not drawn away with your own lust, you're not going to be tempted. But when all of a sudden your flesh is ignited and you want to do something, now Satan will connect to that and will start to entice you. Now for all you fishermen, this is a fishing term. It means to lure you, to bait you, to trap you, and to deceive you. It's like you take the hook. So what, how does this work? 
So you're just minding your own business. You're walking through life. And this area of your life that maybe you have trouble in, all of a sudden you see the lure dangling there. What that is is he just throws a thought. You should do this. You should look at this. You should go here. He just he throws a thought, and then he throws a thought, and he throws a thought. It's kind of like a fisherman, just kind of, you know how you just kind of move your thing, right? And the fish fly and swim by going. If you decide not to take that thought captive, right? By just cutting off the lure so it's not there anymore. If you don't take the thought captive, what happens is you'll start looking at it. You start to get your eyes off the Lord. You start, ooh, wow, wow. And then what happens is now he's enticing you. Now you're starting to move towards it. Well, I, I, down, something down here is telling me not to do this. But man, I just, uh, bam. And then you get the Lester Summerall syndrome. He said this, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever want to pay. But this is how it happens, guys. It all starts with a thought. That's how he lures you off your path. He's like, he's dangling it. There's this exit. You know, he's dangling it, and then we take it, right? Right? And then pretty soon down here, we're in darkness. We don't know who we are anymore. And then we're like, oh, I can't go back to church. What are they going to think of me? Or I fell and I did. Who cares? This is what we will think of you. We're believers. Man, you're a rock star. You came out of that. You know, the, the people I feel sorry for are the people that have done the stupid things I've done, but they never came out of it. Right? It's not how you start your race. It's how you finish your race. And every brother or sister who will get down on you for a mistake, they just proved how immature they are. So go find a mature believer. Right? Who will put their arm around you and go, hey, listen, it's okay. This is not even who you are. And God's got a way out for you. God's got restoration. Don't beat yourself up. You've been made righteous. Jesus paid for that. You need people around you like that. Right? This is huge. When lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. See, you feed the desire until the desire gets strong enough for you to act on the desire. And then you sin. And sin will work death in you. Here's the thing. Sin, this is, now, this is the way the Lord said this to me. Sin will work death in you. This is the thing. You don't die right away. It's working death. And it'll keep working death. And what happens, eventually it'll kill your sense of righteousness. And all of a sudden you think, I'm just this mess. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill your confidence. And it'll destroy your relationship with God. Not your, or your fellowship with God. Not your relationship. And all the time that you feel so far away, you are still, as a Christian, do you know, 
when you're out there blowing it, your life is still tucked away with Christ in God. Nothing changed. All the authority you still have and all you got to do is rise up in the word of God and say no more. I'm going to repent. What does that mean? I'm going to change my mind. Is it that easy? It is that easy. You know why it's that easy? Because Jesus paid the price. He tasted death for you. You don't ever have to taste it. This is huge. Hallelujah. This is huge. Hmm. Hallelujah. I'll say this in closing. We must recognize wrong thoughts and take them captive. We must starve wrong thoughts and wrong desires. You starve them. How do you starve them? You stop feeding them. How do you stop feeding them? You start feeding on something else. And listen, guys, here's the cool thing. Everything you'll need, God will provide. He'll provide you people to get around you to help you. He'll put you in an environment where you can change. He'll give you everything because you were born again to be free. And he'll walk you right out of any bondage into freedom because you have already been made free. Amen.